This program's about the impossible. There's a good chance that you believe in the impossible. In 1967, Dr. George Wald won the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine. Dr. Wald said, When it comes to the origin of life, there are two possibilities, creation or spontaneous generation. There is no third way. Spontaneous generation was disproved 100 years ago, but that led us to only one other conclusion, that of supernatural creation. We cannot accept that on philosophical grounds. Therefore, we choose to believe the impossible, that life arose spontaneously by chance. This Nobel Prize-winning scientist rejected the science that God had to be the creator of life, the only possible explanation for you. Me, I'm a Christian because I don't believe in the impossible. Stay tuned and let's explore the universe as it really is. I'm Paul and this is C-Y-K-I-A-E. They say the only thing kids need to grow up healthy and happy are to be safe and loved. And here's what Mia Wallace, Uma Thurman, says to Vincent Vega, John Travolta, in Pulp Fiction about what they say. No, no, it's not a fact. It's just what I heard. It's just what I heard. Who told you? They. They talk a lot, don't they? (laughs) They certainly do. So, they say a lot of stuff that they've heard from somewhere else and they don't know whether it's true. It sounds true, so they treat it as if it's true. But that's not true. You can't ignore your biology. And I'll tell you why what they say isn't true right now. Child Trends, a non-profit research centre, in their research report entitled Marriage from a Child's Perspective, How does family structure affect children? And what can we do about it? Conducted by Kristen Anderson-Moore, Susan M. Jekielik and Carol Emig has concluded that it is not simply the presence of two parents, but the presence of two biological parents that seems to support children's development. Research clearly demonstrates that family structures matter for children and the family structure that helps children the most is a family headed by two biological parents in a low-conflict marriage. Children in single-parent families, children born to unmarried mothers, and children in step-families or cohabiting relationships face higher risks of poor outcomes than do children in intact families headed by two biological parents. Sarah McClanahan, Professor of Sociology and Public Affairs at Princeton University and Isahil Sawhill, in their research paper, Growing Up with a Single Parent, What Hurts, What Helps, confirm if we were asked to design a system for making sure that children's basic needs were met, we would probably come up with something quite similar to the two-parent family ideal 
Such a design, in theory, would not only ensure that children had access to the time and money of two adults, it would provide a system of checks and balances that promote quality parenting. The fact that both adults have a biological connection to the child would increase the likelihood that the parents would identify with the child and be willing to sacrifice for that child, and it would reduce the likelihood that either parent would abuse the child. In a collaborative effort, the Woodrow Wilson School of Public and International Affairs at Princeton University and the Brookings Institution, in their paper, Marriage and Child Wellbeing Revisited, Introducing the issue found, most scholars now agree that children raised by two biological parents in a stable marriage do better than children in other family forms across a wide range of outcomes. Ryan T. Anderson, a senior research fellow at the Heritage Foundation, in his research paper, Marriage, What Is It? Why It Matters? And the Consequences of Redefining It? found this. According to the best available sociological evidence, children fare best on virtually every examined indicator when reared by their wedded biological parents. Studies that control for other factors, including poverty and even genetics, suggest that children reared in intact homes do best on education achievement emotional health, familial and sexual development, and delinquency and incarceration. Sociologists Wendy D. Manning and Kathleen A. Lamb, in their paper, Adolescent Well-Being in Cohabiting Married and Single-Parent Families, found that an advantage of marriage appears to exist primarily when the child is the biological offspring of both parents. The benefits that children get don't come from just any married parents or two-parent home. Any two will not do. The 2017 UK study by Mariani D. Manning and Kathleen A. Lamb, Family Trajectories and Wellbeing of Children Born to Lone Mothers in the UK, found that Children born to single mothers who eventually marry their child's biological father are healthier, more likely to obtain a good education, and more likely to land a good job when compared to children who, instead of their biological father, have stepfathers. This research found that children whose biological parents eventually marry each other experience outcomes that are almost no different to the outcomes of children born to parents who are married biological parents from the very beginning of the child's life. On the other hand, when single mums marry a man other than the child's biological father, these children fare no better than other children who are just raised by their single mother. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand the two adults who make the baby are, statistically, the very adults who will ensure the baby is safe and loved, as you'll learn from the story of Cinderella, which I'm now going to tell you. The origins of the story of Cinderella are hard to nail down. Most of these 
stories were stories told by peasants over many generations. Some say the story of Cinderella goes back to a Greek historian by the name of Strabo in about 40 BC. The story was picked up by the brothers Grimm. The subject matter of the story is a girl whose mother dies when she's young. Her father remarries, but then he dies, leaving her with her stepmother and stepsisters, who are now no longer kept in check by the presence of Cinderella's biological father. Her life rapidly descends to slave-like misery at their hands. The story shows how long humans have known about the benefits of a child having its biological parents for obvious and compelling reasons and the downside of step-parents. For many children, more than ever today, Cinderella isn't just an entertaining fairy story. It's the story of their life. Of course, most step-parents and adults who are just living together don't commit child abuse or neglect. But when there is abuse or neglect in a home with a non-biologically related adult, the unrelated adult's usually the one doing the abusing or committing the neglect. Sociologist W. Bradford Wilcox, in his paper, Suffer the Little Children, Cohabitation and the Abuse of America's Children, summed it up when he said, One of the most dangerous places for a child in America to find himself in is a home that includes an unrelated male boyfriend, especially when that boyfriend is left to care for a child by himself. You shouldn't be surprised to hear that evolutionary psychologists call this phenomenon the Cinderella effect. In the animal kingdom, it's not unusual for a mother's new mate to kill her existing offspring in order to eliminate competition for the emotional and material resources his offspring will require. It's fairly obvious to me. A child that isn't yours let's be honest, is just a stranger. Of course, if you've got half a brain, you'll never say on social media that non-biologically related adults interact differently with children whose biological mother or father they're living with. If you went to say that before you could say woke, you'd be mocked and blocked. But when you're in a place on the internet where you can say honestly, without censoring, your thoughts, what you think, you get the brutally honest thoughts of adults who are, to a greater or lesser degree, involved with stepchildren. Here are some of the posts found on a Reddit discussion board for stepparents. I hate my stepkids. I don't care about my stepchild. I don't really like my stepkids. I don't like my stepson. I hate my stepdaughter. Do you ever wish your stepchildren just didn't exist? One stepparent shared the following on a post on Reddit called Is it wrong to not feel the same love for my stepchild than for my biological? So I've been raising my stepson since he was one years, now six, and I have a biological one that's three years old. For some reason, I just can't bring myself to love my stepson the same as my biological. And I feel bad for it. I try to give the same love and attention. But when I look at both my sons, I gravitate more towards my biological. 
I get butterflies whenever I look at my biological and more emotions. I feel like it's wrong and I should be feeling the same for both, but I can't. No surprise, as I've already said, what's called genetic posterity seems to come naturally to humans. Cinderella effects experts Martin Daly and Margot Wilson explained in an article that appeared in the Time magazine on 7 November 1999, written by Andrea Sachs, called Dangerous Steps, why so many children in their studies suffer at the hands of unrelated caregivers. Because parental love carries with it an onerous commitment, it would be strange if merely pairing up with someone who already had a dependent child was sufficient to fully engage the evolved psychology of parental feeling. It is not sufficient. Step-parents do not, on average, feel the same child-specific love and commitment as genetic parents, and therefore do not reap the same emotional rewards from unreciprocated parental investment. Unrelated adults just don't feel inclined to invest in their stepchildren in the same way they would for their biologically related children, because those kids are not going to pass on their genes to anyone, ever. The problem is a lot more serious than the fact that your live-in partner doesn't really like your children or want to spend their precious time and money on them. Live-in, unrelated adults are more likely to abuse children. Rochelle's disturbing story, shared in the story bank at thembeforeus.com, gives one, not unique, example. My mom had been married four times and my dad three times. One of my mother's husbands moved us across the state, four-hour drive away. We lived in an isolated rural area where I had no family around at all. My mother had twins with this man and was dependent on him, so she thought. He was physically abusive to both of us, but mostly me. My dad had always taught me to have a strong spirit and stand up for myself, and I did. I paid for it, though, always. I put up with the physical abuse silently. The slaps in the face, the hair pulling, the screaming. He held me down once, and his hand went up my shirt. I just knew I'd be raped. I was only 13, and still very much a little girl. I was terrified to feel his erection against my clothed rear, even though I didn't even fully know what it was at the time. He didn't rape me. He let me go. I didn't come home from school the next day. I told my counselor at school and ended up in foster care for an entire summer until I was placed with my dad. Nate, in his post on the same website, knows how some step-parents are. I remember the first time my mum took me away for the weekend on a ski trip with my soon-to-be stepdad. I was about age five. We were watching television at the ski lodge and I was crawling around on all fours, pretending to be a cat. I crawled under my future stepdad's legs and pretended to bite them. Not hard. And he stomped on my head. This was the beginning of an abusive relationship. Alison remembers noticing how differently her stepfather treated her compared to how he behaved 
towards his own children. My mum remarried a couple of years after my bio dad left. The man she married is still my stepfather to this day, 40 years later. He took on four kids that were not his own and tried the best. He knew how to raise us. Unfortunately, he was often verbally abusive, ill-tempered and reactionary. My mum was put in the position of protecting us almost daily from his verbal diatribes. My stepfather and my mother ended up having three children together as well, and I saw my stepfather turn into a loving, adoring, biological father. He was a different, changed man toward his own children. The importance of biology and being a parent is a bit of truth to accept for people in our times who want to believe, against all of the evidence, in a nice world. Of course, there are step-parents who do a great job, often filling in the place of a biological parent who failed to behave like a proper adult. Here's one of those stories. When Jay Chen's mother abandoned her family for her lover, she decimated Chen's home and heart. Chen said, My sophomore year of high school was a big year for me. My father married an amazing Christian woman, Sophia, who was a mentor and a friend, and as a trained counsellor, she supported me with some sense of sanity throughout high school. Chen found that her father's marriage to Sophia redeemed her image of marriage. One Christmas, she remembered, Sophia suggested an exercise where we share what we most appreciate about one another, and I had never seen my mum and dad embrace one another with even a hint of the warmth and intimacy that Sophia and my dad did at that moment. But no matter how good the step-parent is, before such a step-parent comes into the child's life, there's always, first, a terrible pain and loss of the biological parent, and that's a loss that won't ever entirely go away. For a new spouse to her stepchildren, she can represent a replacement of and or competition with the child's birth mother or father, which makes it difficult for the step-parent to ever overcome the effect that that ghost has on its biological children so that they can make a quality connection of their own with their stepchildren. This is true no matter how much we would wish that it wasn't. Ultimately, in parenting, biology is the most important thing. What are the dangers to the child of violence or abuse from their new step-parent? Biological connection is the most important factor in whether the child suffers abuse and death. The question isn't whether unrelated adults pose an increased risk to the child, but rather how much risk do they pose? Martin Daly and Margot Wilson, in their research published under the title The Cinderella Effect is No Fairy Tale, looked at Canadian preschoolers who suffered fatal beatings between 1974 and 1990. They found that children were 120 times more likely to be beaten to death by their stepfather or live-in boyfriend than they were by their genetic father. A 2001 study on child maltreatment looked at 644 children. It found that there was no statistical difference in the rates of child abuse between children living with their single mothers and children living in homes with their married biological parents. 
But if mum brings a new living boyfriend home, the rates of child abuse spike. Children living under the same roof as their mother's boyfriend are twice as likely to report maltreatment. The researchers concluded, The presence of a biological father figure in the home should be considered a significant predictor of a future child maltreatment. In 2002, medical journal Pediatrics published a report entitled Household Composition and Risk of Fatal Child Maltreatment. It examined a two-year period of child maltreatment fatalities in Missouri. Its findings were that single parents posed no elevated risk of maltreatment to their child, but the presence of an unrelated adult living in the home increased a child's risk of maltreatment eightfold. This was especially true when the living partner was an adult male. Summarising data from the 4th National Incidence Study of Child Abuse and Neglect in 2010, which surveyed child physical, sexual and emotional abuse by family structure, W. Bradford Wilcox, in his paper, Suffer the Little Children, Cohabitation and the Abuse of America's Children, found that children living with their mother's boyfriend are about 11 times more likely to be sexually, physically or emotionally abused than children living with their married biological parents. Likewise, children living with their mother and her boyfriend are six times more likely to be physically, emotionally or educationally neglected than children living with their married biological parents. The science tells us that children are not only more likely to thrive, but are also more likely to simply survive when they are raised in an intact home headed by their married parents. A study published in Pediatrics in 2005, Child Deaths Resulting from Inflicted Injuries, Household Risk Factors and Perpetrator Characteristics, concluded that Young children who reside in households with an unrelated adult are at nearly 50-fold risk of suffering a fatal inflicted injury, compared with children residing with two biological parents. The majority of perpetrators were male members of the decedent child's household. Decades of data researching family structure and child maltreatment leads to the inescapable conclusion that married biological parents are a child's best shot at having an abuse-free childhood and a happy and successful life. In my next program, I'll look at more vanilla problems that children suffer from under the Cinderella effect. Thanks for listening into this program, CYKIAE. If you missed it, you can catch up with it as a podcast on my CYKIAE, Spotify, Apple, Google and many other podcast sites. Just look at my program details on Cairns FM 89.1 for clickable links. I'm Paul. Don't miss my next program because you're going to love it. I want to thank my ghostwriter, without whom this program would definitely not have been possible, the Holy Spirit. Maybe you could catch up with me at my church, the Gafcon Northern Hope Anglican Church at the Cairns and District Junior Estedford Hall, 67 Greenslopes Street, Edge Hill, some Sunday at 9am. If you liked this program, you should definitely listen in to my other explosive program, The Danger Zone, also available as a podcast on those same sites. Search 
danger zone bracket DZ close brackets. <laughs>